So, Dave, <laughs> I've, I've got to I've got to tell you a, a quick story about my, me and my son. All right. uh, Alex, my older son, uh, play. He's in high school now, and he plays on an ultimate frisbee team. Do you, have, do you know what ultimate frisbee is? Oh, Brad, I grew up in Southern California. Uh, ultimate frisbee. <laughs> That's a, that's a state sport in California. Yeah, of course. Uh, it, I've never heard of it before, and and it's really fascinating. It's kind of like, it's like a soccer or football based game where you've got to get the uh, the, the frisbee into the goal, but it's very nonviolent, very uh, you know team oriented. There's no contact. There's no tackling or pushing. And there's no referees on the field, by the way. The, the the players work this stuff out on their own, which is which is really wonderful to see. I it it's a sport I can really get behind. <laughs> uh, and my uh, my older son is is has been he's a sophomore this year, and he wait was, a what? He was a sophomore. He's sophomore. A, he, he's a sophomore. After freshman is sophomore, and then junior and senior. Sophomore. That's sophomore. how you pronounce it. S-O-P-E. Oh, God. God, jeez Louise. <laughs> Listen, go to your 21-volume set of uh, English Oxford Dictionary. There's an O. S-O-P-H-O-M-O-R-E. No one, so he's Brett, a sophomore. No one, literally no one says sophomore. <laughs> he's a sophomore. You sound like an idiot when you say sophomore. <laughs> <laughs> what so, do you say, sophomore? We didn't even make it two minutes into the show before you had a weird pronunciation. <laughs> sophomore. He's oh, a sophomore. <laughs> I might be out for this week. All right, everybody, you've been listening to Comic Lab. That's been Brad. I've been a sophomore. All right, okay, so he's a sophomore. Go maybe, ahead. <laughs> maybe, maybe we should just stop recording today. Do you have some time tomorrow? What's what's your wedding day look like? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> uh, so anyway, he's he got what I'm saying is proudly that he got bumped up to varsity. And so we're playing this game out out of town. I'm driving him and a bunch of uh, kids out to, uh, uh, you know, and maybe an hour or so out of town. And we show up and, and of course, uh, and, and get, get ready for this, Dave, it's coming for you. The night before, my wife and I both said to the kid, hey, make sure you pack you, everything you need for the game. We got to get up early in the morning to get down there. So take some time now. Pack both of your jerseys, pack your shorts, pack your cleats, pack everything you need. And of course, <laughs> and in the we, universal language of parents, I already know none of that was done. He, so the alarm. He was texting off. friends and then went to bed. That's what that's exactly, what actually happened. Exactly. Yeah. All night long. Uh, texting back and forth and fi- until he finally drops uh, from unconsciousness. So we get up in the morning. I'm trying to shoo him out the door, and he's he's you know rapidly packing the stuff that he said he packed the night before, and it's just a it's just a, a misery. We get to the game. He gets out to the field. He's he's going through his stuff in his duffel bag, uh, and and he texts me because I was going back to the car. Uh, he texts me. He says, "Dad, Dad, I I need you to come back." So I I come back. He he comes over to me and whispers. He says, "Dad." I packed one cleat and one dress shoe. <laughs> and I'm like, are you fucking serious? Are you going to sit there and tell me you packed a dress shoe? I said, I ought to make you go out there and play in the dress shoe. You know, teach you a lesson. You know, he says, I can you, could you please go back? And so now this is Philadelphia. Remember oh, what a sophomore mistake. <laughs> what oh, a boy. sophomoric attitude he had. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> and again, it, like it, it, this was early morning in Philadelphia. Now people are, it's Saturday. People are starting to wake up. The right. I-76 is starting to get clogged. I'm right. Like, oh, you know the maybe, I-76. Maybe, yeah. Well, yeah, it's this, <laughs> it's the Schuylkill Expressway. And don't even ask me how that's pronounced. You'd never, uh, you'd never believe I was pronouncing that one right. But Schuylkill, yeah, is that named Schu- after a guy? Uh, yeah, you know what? I don't know what it's named after. It's it's the spelling. <laughs> it's got to be an Indian word because oh, the spelling okay. is absolutely bizarre. It's like S C H U L. It's it's yeah. It's not even coming up on Google. I'm doing it completely wrong. But you'll have to trust me. It's a weird word. Okay. So I I drive all the way back, and it takes me more than an hour to get back. Get all the way back. I come in, walk in through the front door grumbling the whole time. Can you believe that freaking kid? Unbelievable. I bring my thermos in because I figure at least while I'm home, I'll, I'll get the car. Co- I'll, I'll refill with coffee. Carolyn's got the, the missing cleats sitting right out. Right. I get the coffee. I'm growling with her back and forth. Can you believe this? Turn around and leave, get in the car. I get halfway back to the field and I get a text from my wife. You forgot the shoe. No, 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 <laughs> no. I was so upset. I was so angry at my at, at, at life because, of course, I was going to get some stuff done. I was going to take my sketchbook, do some writing. I had the day kind of planned out, and this was completely flummoxing it. I oh, I, I filled up my coffee, walked oh. right past it. She had, she had it sitting right by the front door. Walked oh. right past it, get halfway oh. there. Now traffic is really bad, Bradley. and I've got to turn around again. No. <laughs> To go home, pick up the cleat, turn around, and drive all the way back again to bring him his missing cleat. Oh, my God, Brad, you made such a rookie freshman <laughs> mistake. Oh, oh Brad. A freshman mistake, are you oh. sad? Don't think I didn't catch that. Oh, Brad, that's a, such a freshman mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> oh man, I have been there. I have oh. been like, uh, I, oh God. The, what's also delightful is that the apple does not fall far from the tree no, on this one. No, That's great. his, 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 uh, his coach who also happens to be the principal of the high school is, is, you know, sh- spitting nails at this point. I come up with the, the missing cleat and he looks at me, he says, I can't believe that son of yours. And I said, I can't believe I'm about to tell you, but it's genetic. oh man oh wow (laughs) well on on that note about shoes and and what you can lose i want to say hello (laughs) to everybody and welcome to comic lab the show about making comics and making a living from comics i'm brad geiger editor of webcomics.com and cartoonist of evil inc and I'm his sophomoric friend david (laughs) kellett cartoonist of drive and sheldon and co-director of stripped And this week's Hour of Comics Advice is brought to you by your support at patreon.com slash comic lab. So Dave, Dave, let's talk comics. Well, Brad, we could talk about things like newsheldonbook.com, which is the book that I'm kickstarting. But I have even more exciting news for you. I'm getting a little beep on my computer, which tells me that a special guest Mm. has already joined us here in the... the, uh, what was I going to say? The arena? I was, was going to say the <laughs> in arena. The, in the Thunderdome. Uh, yeah. well, let's welcome him to the Thunderdome. So let me uh, let me push this button, hit this knob, and we're going to welcome onto the show Jake Parker. 
Well, Bradley J. Geiger, we have turned some knobs, we've hit some buttons, and we have one of the best people in the world on the show with us right now, Mr. Jake Parker of MrJakeParker.com. Jake, welcome to the show. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, Jake. Well, Jake, now, uh, we're excited to see you, I think, in, what is it, four weeks at uh, NCS Fest in uh, Huntington Beach. But uh, in the meantime, you can regale the world with what it's like to live with Dave Kellett for three days in a hotel room in Seattle. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm sure. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> you, were, you were great. I, I had no idea, though, uh, how much. I, well, I'll just. You were great. <laughs> Thanks for being on the show, Jake. This has been enlightening. (laughs) Brad, this is the sound of someone that wants to break up after one day. You know what? It was great. It was fine. It was was perfectly fine. The next phrase out of his mouth is going to be, it's not me, it's you. (laughs) Uh, So Honestly, honestly, Dave, I didn't even hear the snoring the nasal, like, clearing. <laughs> oh, he, <laughs> listen, he's stuff. got very moist nasal passageways at a convention. This we've established firmly. Brad will tell you, my nasals are so moist. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a great, it's a great nose up there. It's a great <laughs> <laughs> And Jake, Jake, you can confirm this. One of the most surprising things about Dave is you look at him and you think, you know what? Little Spoon. And it's a surprise, isn't it? He, he's, he's not Little Spoon, is he? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I t- I'm a hugger. I'm a hugger, Brad. That's born and raised. I'm a hugger. I am a hugger. Uh, so, Jake, in the in the weeks that since I've seen you in Seattle, uh, what artistically has has uh, has fired up your engines? What have you been drawing on the old drawing table there? The old drawing. Well, right now I have. Uh, I'm working on a print for Art Drop Club. So I don't know if you guys know about Art Drop Club, right? Like it's this thing I started with uh, another artist, Aaron Painter. And it's sort of like a subscription box, but you get art mailed to you each month, like a print, some stickers, uh, some mini prints or cards, stuff like that. Oh, that's cool. And uh, we just work with different artists. It's like my excuse to be able to, um, you know, rub shoulders and work with all my favorite artists on Instagram. And this yeah. month uh, we're doing like a, it's, it's a faraway galaxy theme. Not Star Wars. Right. No, uh, but, no, you can't do that. No, no, no but, sure. but, it, but you're doing a galaxy that is far away. Yes, it is far <laughs> it away. Is, and it's quite some time ago, Brad. It's quite some time ago. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I, I'm saw, doing though, a print. I saw you what you shared on social media, if it's what I'm thinking, uh, where it's the uh, anthropomorphized TIE fighter robot. Yeah. So the, the, the challenge we gave the artists we're working with is to do something that looks like it, it would be... It might be like a, a Star Wars dream, like a fever mm-hmm. dream of Star Wars where things kind of make sense and are kind of inspired by it, but it really doesn't belong in that universe. That's fun. Yeah. That's really fun. Yeah. Very cool. And and uh, so the, that drawing for you, uh, how long did that, uh, that one take you? I saw you penciling it at one point on Instagram. Yeah. So yesterday, let's see, I probably put five or six hours into it yesterday. I, I got it fully draw, uh, sketched and inked. And today I'm just adding color. So when it's all said and done, that drawing will take you probably six to seven hours. Um, closer to eight. Yeah, mm-hmm. closer, closer to, eight. to eight. That's okay. I'm, that's I was interested to hear that because I don't know that I've ever asked you how long it takes you to do a finished uh, colored piece, Brad. How long? If you did a standalone colored piece, how long do you think it would take you? 
probably probably longer than eight hours. Like if I had to color it myself, like watercolor or something like that, it would take me an awful long time. If I if I get to cheat and send it to Alex Heberling, then a lot less time. <laughs> yeah, I uh, similarly, I would I would blow through the pencils, blow through the inks, and then it'd be a real big huh, slow down when I got the colors. Uh, yeah, it would be, and then uh, you guys would see me slowly si- slide the file to Beth and be like, "Hey, che- hey, sport, hey, uh, how, about, how about helping out old colorblind over here, struggling with his uh, Photoshop dropper? Come on!" And also, Jake, you've got an Inktober book coming out, right? Yeah, so that's uh, I'm working with a publisher uh, called Chronicle Chronicle Books, mm-hmm. and we're doing an Inktober book. It's like uh, I don't know what our subtitle is going to be. Something like a guide to inking, or or you know your your handbook for Inktober, or something like that. But it's essentially if I were to do a how to ink book and a how to do Inktober book and combine them into one, this is what it yeah. would be. Oh. What a great idea. So this is more like a how-to, like a tutorial. Yeah, yeah. And it has a section in it that's, um, you know, it, it's it's fun because I, several years ago, I started a YouTube channel. And the mm. YouTube channel forced me, I guess, because I had to come up with content. It sort of put me into this zone where I was... I didn't want to just show me drawing. I wanted to also be talking about things. So I started thinking about art on a, you know, an emotional level, an intellectual level, and like a practical level. Like, how do you, why do you draw? How do you draw? What do you draw? How do you get inspiration? And so my YouTube channel is all answering those kind of questions. And um, every video is sort of like a mini essay. And when I sat down to do the Inktober book, I wanted to add all these chapters because it's. I just don't want people to learn how to ink. I want people to have, you know, how do you pull inspiration on what to draw? You know, mm-hmm. how do you uh, position your your life in a way that that you're leveraged to like create more and to and to 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 be creative? And so, all of these mini essays are sort of finding their way into this Inktober book, and it's becoming a much oh, that's a cool. much bigger book than just a how to ink book. Yeah. Well, can I ask you both, because I have actually been looking for this resource, and maybe, Jake, maybe you are partially making this resource, but uh, have you, either of you, ever seen a book that lists out, like, uh, so I'm imagining, like, imagine a two-page spread. You open a book, and it's two-page spread, and there are 30 squares on each page that just show different kinds of mark-making for inking. Mm-hmm. Do do either of you know if that exists anywhere? And I... I, I I, I wanted to try to explain that better. Like, imagine, you, like, you're, you you want to see all the varied possibilities of what ink on quill or ink on brush or ink on a pen can do. Mm-hmm. I, I would love to find a resource that's like a thousand different types of ways to make hash marks, a thousand different types of ways to do shading. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. Like, I wish that resource existed. And if you, either of you know of a book or even the back of a book that has partially that, I would love to see it. Yeah, I've well, I've I've bought like five or six inking books to kind of look at what's been done and what I could use and 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 you know uh, sort of blend that with what I already know about inking. And so uh-huh. I got a, a handful of books that I could recommend to you. But um, if you just wait a year, maybe you'll have a book. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was my that I guess that was my appeal to to future Jake is if you want to put a, a couple page spreads in there that just show like different ways of mark making and i know yeah. that sounds ridiculous to say the phrase mark making but 
Uh, I would love to have a resource that shows like the 30 different ways that you can produce hash marks, the 30 different mm-hmm. ways you can produce, uh, you know, parallel hash marks or, or mm-hmm. uh, increasingly or decreasingly shaded uh, line art. Um, yeah. Yeah. Actually, if, if you go to, um, so I did an inking course for SVS Learn. Mm-hmm. Um, I put I put one out a couple of years ago for Inktober and I did a revamped inking 2.0, like, better version and in that um i show like here's 10 different ways to do a hatch you know here's a cross hatch here's a single hatch here's a like a patch hatch you know just all these different things and right um you know that's one one thing to look at and then the book's gonna the book basically i use the inking course as an outline for the inking section in my book oh okay Mm -hmm. i will go check that out thank you yeah and that's that's at svslearn.com correct yeah svslearn.com Absolutely. Fantastic. Well, Bradley J, you had a big topic you wanted to jump into uh, for today. Uh, oh, you, yeah. want, you want to warm that one up for us? So, Jake, we wanted to talk to you this week about publishing. Specifically, a few episodes back, we had an episode in which we were talking about artisanal success. The, uh, in mm. fact, I think the title of the show was The Joys of Artisanal Success, in which we had a, a guest on that was insisting that uh, it, it, he, it, that one of the only ways to be successful was to become published. And, and, and there didn't seem to be a whole lot of acceptance to this idea of self-publishing. You, you had to be published. You had to be in comic shops. You had to be in bookstores. Uh, and that was the way to wider success. And of course, uh, <laughs> that's something I disagree with uh, an awful lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, recently, you got in touch and you said, I just had a, an, ex- a, a, an experience with a publisher that goes right to that conversation. And I said, oh, gosh, you got to come on the show. We, we'd love to hear it. So tell us, uh, what experience did you have with publishing that fits into this larger conversation of artisanal success? Okay. So a little bit of background here. I've self-published comic books. I've, uh, what would you call, Flight is sort of like a semi-self-published, semi-published sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've yep. published, I've worked for Marvel. I've had two graphic novels published by Scholastic. So I've, I've done the gamut of like yeah. publishing. You've also done for hire publishing where you were the artist on uh, someone's children's book, which in a sense becomes your children's book, but y- you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and currently I'm working on um, a children's book uh, a, with a, a sort of comic themed children's book, which is right. cool. Right. Um, so I, I've, I've run the gamut. I know like, uh, the ins and outs of the publishing world and what's possible and what, you know, and what's, you know, um, what's not possible. Uh, I've done Kickstarters, all, all kinds of things. So that's sort of my, my background there. And I did this book called Skyheart. It was kickstarted and I kickstarted in the worst way, I, <laughs> the worst way possible uh-huh. in that I kickstarted a book that wasn't drawn yet. It was just a, a promotional art. It was like concept art. Here's what I think this book is going to be. Mm-hmm. Here's what I think this story is going to be. But it was enough, uh, I guess I had enough like um, social capital to uh, earn uh, $100,000 on the, the Skyheart Kickstarter. So you know, when, when it comes down to it after credit cards are charged and, and 
Amazon and Kickstarter take their cut. It's it was like a good ninety thousand uh, dollar paycheck, right for right. for this book that didn't exist. And right. and I look at that as you know, my big mistake was I should have drawn the book first and then kickstarted it. And uh, you know, post mortem, I realized like like that was probably the better thing to do because I ended up being late with the book life got in the way and and that sort of irked some backers but in the end um you know everybody was happy to actually receive the book and and I think I think I didn't turn off too many people most of the people that were turned off I don't know if they were true fans of Jake Parker but most people were like able to go along for the ride so here yeah. I have this kickstarted book and I have this literary agent and she's like you dummy you idiot <laughs> She, she wasn't that mean, but she she's like, you should have just given me the pitch first. I would have taken it to publishers and we could have got this thing published um, and, through a traditional publisher. But for me, my and of life, course, you at the time were you, were you a part of you was like, oh, darn, maybe I should have. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I do remember conversations with you at the time just to put some color on it where you're like, I mean, was I wrong to kickstart it? Maybe I could have gotten more from a publisher. Yeah, that's always that's always been my like my big question. Because that's always the, the fear any of us have when we choose a path. We're like, oh, is path B the better one? I guess maybe I should have thought it through. I don't know. Right, right, right. And I look at like my Missile Mouse books. Um, I two Missile Mouse books with Scholastic. Book one has sold well over a hundred thousand copies. Book two, I think, is in like the fifty thousand copy range. Right. Mm-hmm. And and I look at those numbers. And I'm like, holy cow, that's a lot of. You know, that's a lot of people reading Missile Mouse. Yeah. Um, and that's a stadium. <laughs> for real. And that's just the people who bought books. Like, uh, I know libraries, every time I talk to a librarian and they find out that I did Missile Mouse, they're like, oh my gosh, I cannot keep that book on the shelf. You know? <laughs> so that's really cool. And I like that. But it should be said, and we don't need to go into numbers, but because uh, I'm so proud of you and happy and love that book, but it's not buying you a house, right? I mean, it's not buying me a house. A yeah. hundred. So uh, last, I just got my my uh, royalty statement from Missile Mouse. The book earned back its advance, and, it, and I get a royalty check uh, uh, twice a year from Missile Mouse. And last. Um, the last six months of 2018, I sold something like 3,000 Missile Mouse books, and I got a check for a couple thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think industry so, standard is, is about a buck a book or about 10% of uh, unit price, yeah. depending on how you want to look at your it, it really depends because yeah. Yeah, it's broken down. So if it's a hard cover, it's a bigger percentage. If it's right. a soft cover, it's a right. smaller percentage. If the book is sold at a school book fair... It's like six percent. If it's sold on Amazon, it's like you know nine or ten percent. So, uh, and a lot of these books were sold at school book fairs, mm-hmm. um, right? So, so that's what I'm looking. This is a landscape that I'm looking at, and and I'm thinking, okay, I could easily do that with Skyheart. I think like um, there's a there's a my social media presence like lines up perfectly with the the product of. Um, of 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 Skyheart, and I think this could be this could be a good thing. But I, you know, there's a, there's the other there's the creative side, and the creative side of me wants to roll Skyheart out one chapter at a time, get feedback on that chapter from my audience, and 
you know, maybe adjust characters a little bit or play with, um, you know, is a character going to die? You know, is a character going to survive this situation? Cliffhangers and things like that. I love like the, the single issue, you know, collecting comics and single issues and, and seeing a story play out like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you publish with a, a publisher, you know, you take a year to complete the book. Once the book's completed, it takes a year for that book to end up on the shelves because of the way um, book orders happen through, you know, uh, bookstores and Amazon and things like that. So, and the, and the publisher's own work and selling to the bookstores and, and prepping the book for print and getting right, it printed right. in China and all that stuff. So that, that was what in front of me. And my, my agent was like, okay, now that you've delivered the Kickstarter book, we can submit this to publishers and this first book can sort of be like a proof of concept. Yeah. And then um, let's go out with a three book pitch and say, this is, this is um, sort of a prequel. We'll do this three book story. We'll pitch it. And we went out and, and I think six or seven publishers we talked to three of them just said, oh, it's not for us. We appreciate it though. We like Jake. We want to work with them, but this isn't the, the right book for, for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I did get an offer from one publisher and the offer was in the, in the six figures for three books mm-hmm. and low six figures. And they outlined everything they were going to do to push this book, to promote it, to, to sell it, all those things, you know, like, like really handhold this project and take good care of it and put a good editor on it. Right. And all those things. And I was like looking at that offer and thinking to myself, wow, this is it. This is, this is really, you know, probably as far as I can go in publishing right now um, with my abilities and what I've been able to accomplish and with this project. Um, but ultimately, like my gut was telling me, say no and do Skyheart on my own, self-publish it. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at that Kickstarter that made $100,000 based on, you know, concept art. Yeah, on air. Thinking, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and thinking with with Patreon, with Kickstarters, I could probably make more money than what this initial advance is offering me um, with with less books, but with, I think, maybe a, a more devoted fan base. Right. Yeah. And you could own and control it completely, which uh, we, I mean, can, we can talk about all the ways that you could have monetized that additional to the Kickstarter, mm-hmm. like with Patreon. Own and control and- it. Yeah, completely. And then the other thing, too, is once you sign on with a publisher, you're, you're kind of locked into their schedule. Yeah. And right. I knew the next few years for me were going to be, um, you know, Inktober's like taking a, a lot more of my attention lately, and I'm doing a lot more things with Inktober. And so I knew my attention would be divided between that. SVS Learn is taking a lot more of my attention, and, and we're doing things with that. And I knew that would be taking my attention. And I knew that if I were to say yes to this deal, it would mean working, you know, almost full time on Skyheart and and doing that for three years and then not seeing those books come out uh, until let's see a year to finish it a year for it to get published so two years from signing that contract not be able to see what people's reaction are to it Mm -hmm. two years later not being able to really share much of what i was working on in the meantime just because um 
I think, you know, in the last contract I had for something like that, they said, you can't share more than 50% of the book online. Right. Right. And so, um, that's just my understanding of how social media works, how, uh, uh, using a fan base works like all those kind of things, and just your naturally sharing personality too. I mean, you're you that are too. you are ultimately a sharer of the process, of finished art, of of the joys and stumbles along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So, just on a personal level, that would be a, that would be an inhibitor to you. I can tell. Yeah. Exactly. So, so all these factors coming to play, I realize like the choice for me and the thing for me is to politely decline this publisher because I honestly I like the people there. I liked who I was going to be, you know, I would have been working with. I liked their their plan for Skyheart. Um, but ultimately I just like I it really made me like sit down and think, what do I really want to do? What do, you know, what do I need to do and what what's maybe the best for the product or the project? And so um and so I I declined I declined it and my plan moving forward is to um is to do the Skyheart Patreon. And to release it a chapter at a time, and once I have five or six chapters completed, to uh, to launch a Kickstarter for it and to to publish it, uh, to self publish it. Yeah, and and I got I I got to tell you, I think you're making the right decision. When when you initially saw that offer, was it hard for you to say, nah, "I'm going to turn down a six figure contract"? Was that was that I, a, was that a big moment for you, or was it kind of like, eh, I, "I can see where this is going." I, you know, 10 years ago, it would have been, I would have thought I was crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but right now I'm just like, you know, just looking at all the options in front of me, it just, it just didn't feel like it was the right, the right fit for me. Cause in the end, you know, you know, uh, that the amount of work that would go into that book per year, mm-hmm. um, wouldn't actually pay for the book and i would be i would really be looking for these um these royalty checks to like to cover the expenses of all the work that went into this book but i wouldn't see a royalty check until two and a half years later that's if the initial sales of the book paid out the advance right 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 so a royalty check's probably not going to come for three or four or f- five years, right? Depending on how well this book sells. Right, because that that six-figure sum, just a, if we annualize it out, so it, it's, a, it's a two-year cycle per book. So it, mm. it drops down to, uh, you know, a mid-five-figures number, which might even drop down on an annual basis to a low-five-figures number mm-hmm. uh, during production and then during the ramp-up for when they're going to release it mm-hmm. in the, in the, across those two years. So uh, uh, in the meantime, you're left subsidizing the creation of this book with a lot of other projects. You know what I mean? You're, exactly. You're having to generate a lot of other income to make sure that you're living and the kids are living and everybody's living uh, in the meantime um, while you're mm-hmm. waiting for this books or these books to come out. And the more um, you do that, the more you get yourself in trouble with the main project because you're going to start exactly. to miss deadlines because now you're taking on a whole bunch of extra work. Uh, at something's got to give, right? <laughs> right? right? Instead of instead right. of uh, instead of playing this smart. Are, are, now, now you heard that episode from a few weeks back. Are, are you worried that your success is artisanal, Jake? Are, are you worried that you're never going to be uh, an official uh, professional cartoonist in the minds of some people <laughs> who think like that? 
I could care less about what any sort of gatekeeper you, thinks. <laughs> Brad, Brad just popped one of those New Year's poppers in the background. Just, you know, in the background. Uh, uh, no, it's, it, here's the thing, though, is that because the contrast and Missile Mouse is actually an interesting contrast, as mm-hmm. as are other books for other friends of ours, where the success is self-evident. Like Missile Mouse, 150,000 copies. That's amazing. But yeah. it's not, you know, that that and a bag of uh, a, a bag of chips gets jake a bag of chips you know what i mean like it's right. it's it's not like that's made his career because it's uh the publisher that's taking the brunt of that mm-hmm. yeah um, and i mean you've got these outliers like reyna and kazoo mm-hmm. and uh and they're great they're huge successes you know right. there's over a million copies of amulet floating around right and that's that's super cool but just because kazoo did it at that particular time, you know, mm-hmm. he was rolling right off of Bone. Like, kids were finishing up Bone. We need something else. It's adventure. Like, what are we going to do? And here is Amulet, right? And it's also nine books into it. I don't think any publisher is going to sign on for nine books no, anymore. Right. Like, like that is a huge, uh, that's a huge undertaking. That's a big buy-in. Yeah. Right. Um, and and really, like it's funny. The publishers that I talk to, like they're like, "Oh, this is a cool idea. This is a great, you know, adventure thing." But do you have any like personal memoirs that you want to do? Um, because those are what are really selling like hotcakes, like a uh, uh, wimpy kid stuff, yep. smile, yep. you know, um, or uh, really dumb dog comics. (laughs) 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 I know the title of which you speak. Um, uh, But boy, does that thing sell. That thing sold uh, 5 million advanced copies for that next book for that one. Yeah, yeah. It is insane. insane And I I went to Scholastic. I'm sitting there and they're like, like, you know, they open the door and all this cash just kind of flows into the into the foyer. And we're like wading through dollars to get to the office to have a meeting. <laughs> so, but I mean, let's but let's let's contrast this with what with what Brad and I think is a better path for you, which is the Patreon well, let me, release. Let me finish. Oh, sorry. I'm so sorry. Let yeah. me finish that one thought. Um, a memoir, a, a silly dog comic those aren't in me. Yeah. And I know those are successful and those are what the publishers want to do right now, but I don't have that book in me. I have Skyheart in me. I have Missile Mouse in me. (laughs) And if, if a publisher wants to get behind that and really push it, you know, it's one thing, but I feel like for me personally, there's a way for me to make this work outside of the the publishing world. And so, so that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. And that's so important, Jake is, is to be honest with yourself about that. You know, what what you just said there was really sincere and genuine. Uh, You know, it's like, I I could try to do something like that, but it wouldn't be, it, it, it would, it would be tone deaf because it wouldn't come from a place of truth. You know, you, you could try to do a silly dog comic, but if your heart wasn't in it, it, it would never be successful because you'd, you'd never know the right notes to play. Let's face it, right? Exactly. Right. So exactly. It's, it's, it's important to, to be honest with yourself when it comes to creativity and say, right. this, is what, this is what is in me, even if it doesn't feel popular, right? I, I tell that to people all the time. Don't write the comic that you think would be successful. Write the comic that you wish was out there for you to read right now that's the comic that is going to be your best comic. Not the one that you think mm-hmm. is going to hit a demographic or something like that. Do the comic that's in you, you know? Exactly. 
Uh, and 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 what's great is with with Missile Mouse, you have the right to do further books on your own, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Because yeah. one one thing that I've always admired with David Malky with Wondermark.com, uh, you know, his books were with Dark Horse. And when Dark Horse, I don't remember, and I, I don't want to speak for him, but let's just say the third book or the fourth book of Wondermark, he was going to do himself rather than have Dark Horse do it. But what he did, and I think this is genius, is he perfectly mimicked on his own the format and structure of the Dark Horse book so that it had the same cloth wrap spine, the same uh, uh, metal foil inlay, uh, the same uh, paper wrap cover, which was beautiful. And so he on his own produced as good, if not frankly, a better looking book than Dark Horse had produced for Wondermark. But so they all sat together perfectly on a shelf. Right. And he's since produced more and more. But uh, I always thought that's brilliant. You take everything that that. Uh, Structurally, Dark Horse had put together for his books when he was with them, and now he's doing them on his own. And I think that's great. Yeah. That's really smart. And here's the here's the other problem. Like, so I I ordered some Missile Mouse books for um NCS Fest, right? Because mm-hmm. I want to bring those. And I contact the publisher. I'm like, okay, I I want, you know, 25 copies of Missile Mouse One, 25 copies of Missile Mouse Two, and just have them shipped here. And they're like, great, we could send book one, but book two, uh, we don't have any copies left. They're out of print. And I'm like, well, <laughs> what, what do I do? And they're like, I don't know. And so I contacted my agent. I'm like, are they going to print more copies or am I stuck never having another copy of book two to like share? Yeah. And I kid you not, just as I was having that conversation, I get another email and I, every once in a while I get a Missile Mouse email um, and they're nice and delightful and I love them. And this one, uh, a, a mom emails and says, I got book one, but I can't find book two anywhere. Do you know where I can get a copy of book two? Oh no. <laughs> For my oh, kids. That like immediately generates an artist flop sweat. You're like, no, no. Yeah. We're missing yeah. an opportunity. Ah, <laughs> oh, I need closure on so that. Now, so are they going to do book two again? A quick reprint? Or? Well, I don't know. That's what we're we're trying to find out. My my hands are sort of tied. I, Jake needs closure on that too. <laughs> <laughs> but this is uh, this speaks to a larger thing that all three of us can relate to because all of us have worked with on a project or a book or a, or a, or a, you know artistic thing where we weren't in control of the process, and it's so frustrating. Oh yes, because you just like if it was up to Jake, he'd be like, "All right, I'm taking four grand. I'm going to produce another print run of this book, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I'm going to do a quick short run, and then I've got another couple thousand of them." Uh, but now, and this is why I personally hold off on, um, on publishing for a lot of things is that I'm a control freak and I, for all my failures, I want my failures to be mine that I created rather than Mm -hmm. a failure because somebody didn't do their job or somebody did it wrong or somebody made a choice that I wouldn't have made. Mm -hmm. And so I, I find tremendous joy out of being able to control even the minute details of my career. And so... Uh, it just speaks to the broader picture we're painting here that I think Jake is making the right choice. Yeah. I've got a really quick tangent uh, I, that I've always been very curious about. Uh, when you sat down to, to look at this contract, Jake, and they said they were going to they were gonna market it, there was going to be hand-holding, they were going to do this, they were going to do that and promote it. How much of your involvement was codified in that contract? In other words, how much of your social media uh, how much of your ability to promote was said, oh, and, and you're going to be expected to do X, Y, Z. Yeah, there was a lot of, there's, I would say maybe, uh, you know, I, I can't quantify it, but there was some. But it was yeah, there. Yeah, I would, I would be carrying some of that, it was some there. of that weight. 
See, now that's yeah. that's something that really is a bug for me because uh, like we, we like everybody understands, the publisher is making the biggest cut on that, right? They're they're paying up front for the runs and all that and, and we get mm-hmm. that. But traditionally, the reasons that publishers gave for the fact that they took the biggest cut was that they were printing, they were promoting, they were marketing, they were doing this, they were doing that. In today's atmosphere, the, one of the first questions after can you write, can you draw is going to be how many Twitter followers do you have? How many Instagram followers do you have? You are carrying the load or carrying a part of the load on the marketing and promoting of that book, but you're not being compensated for that. They should be, if, if you're going to be, expe- in my mind, if you're going to be mm-hmm. expected to help carry the load when it comes to marketing and promotion, then your cut should be bigger than it would have been back in the day when you're just being uh, compensated for the content, right? Right. Yeah, that's such a good point. That's true. Well, Brad, can I can I create another parallel to that to just just, just to demonstrate the world that we live in? Because I think Go people ahead. will appreciate this. So my wife Gloria is a is a, a TV showrunner, right? And very often she she's really good at casting. Like she's she has an innate skill at it, casting. Yeah. And she'll find the perfect person. She's like, oh, this is great. And then all of a sudden, the studio exec will be like. So we found this person with 1 million Instagram followers and we'd love to cast them in this role. And she's like, you're kidding me. And it's a, it's a very similar thing to this equation that publishers have now, Brad, yeah. where they're actively looking for someone that has, you know, 500,000, 1.2 million uh, Instagram followers or social media followers so right. that the heavy load of marketing can be kind of transferred onto them, you know? And, and if they're not smart enough to ask for compensation for that, then the publisher is getting it for free. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> and what, but whenever I see, though, a, a cartoonist, and they're usually in their 20s, and they've made it big on Instagram, and they've got 2 million <laughs> followers, uh, and they go with a publisher, yeah. I kind of want to say, do you realize what you could do with those 2 million followers? Like, That's if right. You, if oh you owned, controlled it on your own, you know, like, just take a minute to learn how to do it. Anyway, I, I, we, all, we all have our journey, and I get why they're doing what they're doing, but it's... Uh, it's um, it's frustrating to me because between a Patreon and a Kickstarter or even a self-publishing route that doesn't involve either of those, I feel like some of those younger cartoonists could do so well for themselves oh, uh, yeah. if they owned and controlled it. Well, and here's the thing. Uh, this is something I, I've been thinking about, too. And, and I fell trapped to this for so many years, especially with Missile Mouse. I thought, all right, I made a comic for my publisher my publisher is going to take charge and like sell this thing to the world. And I just get to sit back and create. Right. Yeah. And what I realized is that was me wanting to be 100% Batman with zero Bruce Wayne. Oh man. Right? Sing, sing it. I love this. <laughs> Wait, okay. So, I, I need a little bit of elucidation on this. What is, how do you become hundred percent Batman with zero Bruce Wayne? So what does Batman want to do? He wants to go out all night long and just kick butt, fight crime, work on his like moves, develop his toys, you know, drive the Batmobile around. Mm-hmm. But you can't have Batman without Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne's got to fund the whole project. Bruce Wayne's got to live his his life in the real world and see how crime actually affects society. Mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne has to rub shoulders with high society and kind of move things along there. He has to watch you know, his company and make sure like people aren't taking over the company from the inside and like booting out people who want to, you know, take over Wayne Enterprises. He's got to do like all the grown up stuff, 
so that at night he can do all the fun stuff. Bruce Wayne talk about a a route I did not see us walking down conversationally. Bruce Wayne has to do his taxes. Exactly. Right. Yeah. No, you're okay. You're right. Yeah, that's great. Right. So, so (laughs) Bruce Wayne has to put up with Alfred's bullshit. That's what he has to do. (laughs) Did you pick up your socks, sir? Oh, Alfred, for God's sakes, I'm Batman. And you know, it's always Earl Grey. Uh, It it doesn't change. Doesn't change over here. I'll write it down for you if I gotta. So, so I was in that situation where I'm like, I just want Alfred. I said smooth move. I said smooth move, Alfred. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> sorry, Jake. I'm sorry. That was an That's unnecessary right. interruption. Go ahead. What? Any more? No, no. 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 Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, but I, I wanted to be Batman. Yeah. And just draw my comic. I didn't want to do all the work of like promoting it. Right. And what I'm realizing now is like a, a fully actualized, like well developed creator is a person who does the creation, does the art, but they also are staying on top of their finances and they're making sure that they're in control of their contract and that they're getting the right deal and they're, they're, they can read a contract and understand what's going on in it, that they're, you know, doing their part of promoting it and, and, you know, leveraging, you know, their social media, their email list, all that stuff to promote the creative side of what they want to do because if they don't do all that stuff they don't get to be batman they don't get to make more stuff your stuff has to make money has to turn a profit has to support you so that you can create more of it absolutely now listen speaking of bruce wayne decisions i'm going to do a little transition here you've had another bruce wayne decision that you've been grappling uh with very very openly grappling see what he did there see? grappling see? Oh. <laughs> You've you've been throwing the batarang of truth around at this particular uh, uh, subject that we've talked about on this show quite a bit. And that is you got done with Emerald City. And despite the fun you had with uh, Dave Kellett and seeing all of the nice people that came out to say hello and stuff, you were like, ah, I don't know whether I want to keep doing this. I don't know whether it's worth it. And you've been you've been kind of opening a dialogue with your readers saying, I don't know whether I should keep doing comic conventions. Can you walk us through that thought process? Yes. So for the last, let's see, I've, I've been to Emerald City four times now. Uh, the first time was back in 2016, 2015. Let me just, I did a blog post on it on my mm-hmm. blog. So if you go to mrjakeparker.com and click on the blog, you can could see you know this full thing so in 2015 i went to emerald city first time there and i'd been doing cons kind of around the west anywhere where i could drive yeah uh because i i do books and books are easier to uh i've had issues like shipping things and the cost of shipping stuff it just made more sense for me to drive to shows and load up my car with books right yeah so um, in 2015, in, in Emerald City, I made nine thousand uh, dollars gross at the at the con, which I was like, "Oh my gosh, I didn't even think this was possible. This is awesome!" Um, so I signed up. Let's do it again. 2016, I made eighty seven hundred, so it was about three hundred dollars shy. And I was like, "No, no big deal. This is my second time doing this show. Mm-hmm. I'll take a year off." So I took a year off, came back in 2018, and I made sixty two hundred dollars. Um, and then I was like, well, let's try it one more time. And I just did it in 2019, last March with Dave. Mm-hmm. 
and I made $5,700. So another $500 drop yeah. in my gross, mm-hmm. right? And right. again, and we've so, got to underline that's, that's gross you're talking about. When you take mm-hmm. expenses out and so forth, those numbers drop much, much lower. What, when, when you compared net numbers, uh, was the drop just as drastic? Well, here's the here's the thing. So I switched to from Artist Alley to the Skybridge, and I think what really hurts me is being right next to Dave. Um, so <laughs> yeah, tell me about it, buddy. <laughs> I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. Oh, that's amazing. Oh God. Okay, keep going. Yes. No, I I the booth costs more mm-hmm. on the Skybridge, and I'm wondering if that's a liability to actually be on the Skybridge, right? Um, because my my particular setup, what I'm selling, I think appeals a, a more to like fans who are either aware of me directly or tangentially aware of me, mm-hmm. and I can't. Um, I have a harder time pulling people from the stream that's just going by, you know, heading to Funko and coming from a panel um, into you know into my world, right? right? Whereas. And I feel like an artist alley, like those people are deliberately there and and they're they're sort of up for uh, a creative challenge. Like like they want to be challenged visually. Like what do what do you have for me? What kind of art book do you have? Right, or, right. Those types of things, which is which is more what it, what I what I'm about. So I think I think the skybridge has been a problem. That said though, at the end of the day. I don't know if I want to do cons anymore, really. And you guys suckered me into NCS Fest. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, again, again, you know know who we both have to thank for that. Twinkle toes over there. (laughs) Oh, my God. If if NCS Fest goes down in flames, I'm in so much trouble with both of these friends. I uh, I am gonna get such death looks. I'm like, hi guys, another free cookie from my wife and I for oh my God. to make up imagine? for the bad convention. <laughs> Can you imagine if it's up. a bad show? We're just gonna be staring them daggers because I think we might have them right between us, Jake. I I we might be one to the left, one to the right. Oh <laughs> we my got God. them surrounded. Uh, people are just you're, Brad and, and Jake are just having people curb their dogs right in front of my booth. It's just it's just the worst. <laughs> <laughs> so that said, I, I one thing what's nice what's nice about posting this like publicly mm-hmm. specific numbers because numbers get attention, yeah. right? Like no, I was impressed. I was impressed that you shared numbers. Yeah, I, part of me is just like you know when it's my own numbers, and I, I feel like that empowers the artist community as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, just not to be so secretive about what what you're doing and how you're doing it um yeah uh just because artists need to know what's possible right like what can be done right uh if you're having success and they also need to know like what pitfalls to avoid if if you totally tanked at a con we should know why like what you think you know contribute to that so so that's my like my appeal to the creative community out there is like don't be too shy and bashful about that kind of stuff. We're all we're all sort of in this together and mm-hmm. a rising tide lifts lifts all the ships, right? So there's that. What's been cool, I post on my blog, and the reason I post on my blog is I can actually get like real comments mm-hmm. on on the discussion as opposed to Twitter. It's usually just like quick hits. Right. But one of the comments was maybe it's time for you to just make room for someone else 
at a con. Like there's younger artists who want to get into cons and who are trying to build their thing. And I can probably make just as much money doing something else right? for the equal amount of time like invested into it. And there's other ways, like all these other like non, um, like non numbers, non financially related like um, benefits from doing a con. There's other ways to get those too. Like I could just go hang out with Dave for a day at in LA, you know, and not have to worry about doing a con, mm-hmm. right? Or right. I could, I could, um, uh, uh, you know, go to a con and just attend panels for once. I've never done that before, you yeah. know, <laughs> other than the panels like I'm, I'm in, right? Right. Um, so there's, there's, there's those things, but I like the idea that there's limited space at a con. There's lots of artists who want their shot at it. And if I'm just taking up space, making less money than what I would do something else, maybe it's better for me to free that spot up for, for someone up and coming who, who could really use it. I think that's smart. I think though uh, it, there is a larger thing that Brad and I have been talking about. Like for me, I have limited it down to the two shows that still make me uh, a, a return on investment that's four or five times cost. And that's mm-hmm. uh, San Diego and Emerald City. But Emerald City, for the last couple of years, prior to this year, I was on the same boat, Jake. It was like going yeah. down $500, $800, $1,000. You're like, what's happening? And then this, dang it, this last year would jump back up again. <laughs> I was like, duh! So, uh, but in broadly speaking, though, and Brad has kind of been the little cricket in my ear. What's his name? Jiminy Cricket. Jiminy <laughs> Cricket, forgot. yeah. Brad's kind of been the Jiminy Cricket in my ear. It's telling me, like, this is a slowly... Uh, 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 reducing income source that you might mm. want to keep evaluating. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. Uh, and I think you are smart also to make this choice because for me, um, a lot of conventions, and I would say about 99% of them in the U.S. are just not financially viable for me in the way that I want it to be for my time. Right. And so I think your decision, Jake, is a smart one. Yeah. Here's out there in podcast land, if you're listening... Here's how to how you know if your convention is thriving or if it's headed sort of down the wrong path. Mm-hmm. Look at the exhibitors there. And if there's a, a Geico or a monster energy drink <laughs> exhibiting at the show, <laughs> probably want to pass on it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, and that's happening more and more often. It's 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 becoming less and less of a comic convention. We've we've seen it transition into pop culture conventions and 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 and, and again, I've said it before, it, it, we're headed right to flea market. <laughs> you know, that's kind of where we're headed. Yeah. But uh, yeah. so now you used to do a lot of comic conventions. You used to do many of them and used to drive. Have you come to a, a firm decision on where you're going? Or like, like, for example, I at, at some point just said, yeah, I'm going full stop back in 2017. Uh, similarly, after Emerald City, I, I, I said, nah, I'm, I'm stopping all of that stuff, full stop, not doing any. Uh, Dave slowly tapered off and, and has kind of worked it down to two. Where do you find yourself in terms of planning out the rest of this year and 2020? Uh, where, do you, where do you fall on that range, on that spectrum? Um, so I, I think I'm going to take a couple years off mm-hmm. and I will go back to Emerald City and maybe try, if I can, like try a San Diego or one of these bigger, like a New York or a or a or a C two E two. When I have three or four or two or three like Skyheart books, right, right, and yeah. I can really just just it'll be less about 
trying to make um, uh, money at a show and more about like um, building a community around that particular comic, mm-hmm. that type of thing. But it's worth emphasizing what Jake just said because he says he's he's going to do shows when he's got the product ready and it's ready yes. to go. You can't just go with a hope and a dream and a whisper and a print and say like, yeah. I'm going to make a lot of money with this one print. And you know what I mean? You've got to have variety and you've got to have a lot of consistent, solid work ready to go yeah. uh, before you even consider it. So I think there's a lot of wisdom with what Jake just said. How often do we see that where somebody says, oh, I just got accepted to this show. Now I got to go and make some books. Yeah. It's like, wait a minute, you, you've got this backwards, buddy. <laughs> well, and one of the reasons why it's important for Jake to wait until he's got two or three new books, too, is that sometimes, uh, and I have 14, 15 books now, you don't know which one is going to be the big hit at a Comic-Con. And one you're like, oh, boy, Brad. Like, I remember when I, and I can tell you both this, when I first brought Drive to San Diego Comic-Con, it had just come off a, a whatever, $109,000, $110,000 Kickstarter. And I thought, whole biscuits, this Comic-Con is going to be amazing for me. People yeah. are going to be lining up to buy this Drive book. Oh my! You've never heard more crickets around a book at a comic con than than that book at a con. Like no one wanted to buy a long form sci fi story at a San Diego comic con. They're like, yeah. give me give me an Iron Man print. That's all I want. And you know, like it, it was it was amazing to me that I had come off of all this amazing success on the Kickstarter. I had the book out the week of the show. I was yep. so excited, and nothing. Nobody wanted it. Yeah, yeah. You planned it out perfectly for nothing. Yep, 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 yep. So there are just there are books and there are titles that sell incredibly well online to a fan base that just don't do well on at shows. And so I think that's wisdom that Jake would go when he's got two or three in the bag and ready to, to show them off, you know? Yeah. Um, but in, in general, I, uh, I feel like uh, Comic-Cons, to Brad's point a week or two ago, are maybe fading from their cultural moment of where they exist for comics. Would you say mm-hmm. that's fair, Jake? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I... I mean, it's never been cooler to be a nerd than it is right now, right? Right. Um, so I, what it is is it's great for what it, what it is. Like, if you want to go get your photo taken with Jean-Luc Picard, um, like, go do it. That's fun. Go do it there. If you want to meet the creator of an independent comic book, you know, they might not make enough money to warrant them being there, so it might not be the place to do that. Um. And who knows what what the future holds? It might be that a handful of independent creators just do like a pop up shop type thing at different bookstores and comic shops around the country. Like I think that would be really cool. It might be that um, uh, it, you know there could be any other option there for creators to go out and meet people like in person. But a comic con or a pop culture con might not be viable in the future. So, Jake, let's bring this full circle. Looking at how you're changing your business in terms of comic conventions and uh, looking at the topic that we started off the show with, you mentioned just briefly that you were going to take Sky Heart and do kind of a combination of Patreon, Kickstarter publishing. It was going to go out on Patreon. Uh, You were going to have it supported that way. And then, of course, support the books and Kickstarter. I'd love, if if you'd like to, if you don't mind, I'd love to talk some more about that like like i'd like to hear more of your thoughts on that i'd love to to actually have a question for both you two about this and here it is how do you feed the patreon and feed social media without neglecting one or the other because that's that's really what like the wall i'm facing right now is i want to share skyheart with 
you know, all of my followers so that I can um, convert some to Patreon. But I also want to, you know, keep the Patreon people, the patrons happy with with enough content. So, yeah. like, right, right. How do you guys and, do that? And the thing on Patreon is if you are going to do exclusive content, you have to be very, very uh, strict on exclusive content. For example, Dave and I have a $5 Patreon level here in Comic Lab uh, under which you're allowed to ask us questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you a $5 backer? Me personally? Otherwise, we can't, we, we can't take your question. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I didn't know where you were going with that, Brad. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Of course, He's I'm waiting kidding. for Jake to I'm Venmo kidding. $5. <laughs> I honestly, I had this feeling like I was in the principal's office. Yeah. <laughs> just said, like, <laughs> I, like, I really like this new policy of shaking down a guest. That's great. <laughs> yeah, that's right. While you're on, if you'd like to extend this interview another 10 minutes, uh, please deposit $5 in our de- in the Venmo and we can next, see what we can do about it. The next step for Brad is for Brad to walk into Jake's studio and go, oh, I see you got all these pens organized <laughs> real nice on your desk. Sure would be a shame if somebody were to mess up all these pretty pens. <laughs> It'd oh, be boy. a shame if something were to happen to this nice pencil. Snap, snap. <laughs> uh, no, actually, so I've got lots of thoughts on this. Uh, because uh, are you planning on making Skyheart an exclusive? In other words, you've got to be a backer to see finished pages? So he, I'll, I'll just read you the tiers as, they're, as they are right now. Okay. okay. Is that cool? Yeah. So level one, three dollars, um, and I'm I'm switching to monthly right now. It's set up to uh, per comic, and that's right. Right. I think that's, that's smart. Yep. I think that's yeah. Smart. So it's going to be monthly. So uh, level one, three dollars, you get early access to the comic. So before I, I do anything with it anywhere, you're going to be able to read it uh, at, at level one. Okay. Okay. Um, and then I'll, digital exclusives. So I'll make wallpapers. I'll make. Um, if you wanted to like print, you know, make your own print or, or something like that, I could give, give you a high res like version of, of one of the wallpapers or something like that. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's level one, level two, special digital rewards. So PDFs of single issues and uh, PDF collections of extra content. So what I'm thinking of doing is when I've got a chapter finished, it's like 20, 24 pages. Um, putting them in a PDF like it was an issue you would download on Comixology or something like that mm-hmm. and selling it on my website for three or $4, but giving it to the f- level two, $5 people as a part of them uh, backing at that level. Right. Okay. So there's that any sort of concept art that I'm going to be doing, any sort of sketches, any rough layouts, pencils, those types of things all will be posted on level two. So it says uh, first access to concept art, exclusive access to rough layouts, penciled pages and inks of the comic. um, And then access to everything in level one. Mm -hmm. So that's level two. And then level three is um, access to downloads of my art books, comic collections, and the next Skyheart book when it comes out. So if you're a level three and you're paying $10 a month, when I publish, you know, the the graphic novel digital version, I'll just give that to the um, to the ten dollar patrons. Um, I have 
drawings one, drawings two, drawings three, drawings four, all 120 plus page books of my art collections. Mm-hmm. I'll give those to um to the ten dollar people once, you know, once a month. Um and then future books collections of sketches, they'll get they'll get access to those. And then the ten dollar level, i I figured I'd do a monthly hangout, like Google Hangout draw session mm-hmm. that they would have access to. So those are my three levels, a three dollar, a five dollar and a ten dollar level all right uh in general i think this is a a wise path you are walking i think this is i'm actually really excited for you in kind of a stupid childish way that you're going this route with uh skyheart i think this is going to work great this this one-two punch of patreon and kickstarter so that's just broad picture you know bird bird's eye view of of where this is going brad uh, initial first thoughts Okay, so I've got a few thoughts. Uh, and number one, is, so since you're including rough drafts and sketches as part of your Patreon reward for one of those levels, mm-hmm. the, the the problem you've got there is that sketches, especially on Instagram, uh, are are very very valuable in terms of you know, building audience and building viewership. In other words, a mm-hmm. lot of times. Uh, the stuff that I'm posting on Instagram isn't necessarily a finished comic that I'm posting exclusively to my Patreon backers. Uh, I get a lot of uh, I get a lot of mileage out of posting sketches because on Instagram people are really interested in process and stuff like that. So they so they like to see the rough sketches, and that's how I get around that. So uh, if you're going to use sketches as part of your Patreon, uh, that's going to keep them off of Instagram and Twitter and stuff like that, which is okay because remember, you've got a big body of work and the stuff that you can put on Patreon, uh, it, it includes, uh, you can, or I'm sorry, the stuff that you can put on Instagram mm-hmm. uh, is going to be everything but the Sky Heart stuff, right? You can, you can keep the Sky Heart stuff exclusive. You're not going to run out of sketches that you can share. You're not going to run out of other things that you can put up there. And mm-hmm. that includes not only sketches from other projects, but sketches and drawings from your archives mm-hmm. it, it, and stuff that you might've posted on Instagram last year. Uh, but you're going to, but let's face it, who's keeping track of all that stuff. You can post that another go round, especially if it did well last time, you can post that again. So you're, what I'm hearing from you is, oh, how do I do Patreon and keep social media going? Uh, the answer is very simple. You keep that stuff, at least it's simple for me. <laughs> you keep that stuff <laughs> that you're making Patreon exclusive, exclusive. And there is a whole lot of other stuff that you can use that you've got easy access to to keep social media going. And as long as you're talking about that stuff excitedly, positively, you know, that's half of the of the uh, of the ball game over on social media is saying, oh, here's this sketch. I really like how this person's face turned out or here's something that was a real challenge getting this perspective. That kind of stuff goes a long, long way on Instagram, and you don't have to raid your Patreon exclusives to do it. Do you, do you agree with that, Dave? Uh, I'm actually going to point counterpoint this because okay. a fear of mine for Jake and for all of us, it was something like this with a long form project is let's say we're four years into this now, Brad, right? 
And the way you're describing it, he's not particularly sharing a lot on Instagram, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you want to think of of, uh, Patreon or or your career in general as getting down different layers of the onion, Mm -hmm. the outer layers of the onion is your widest reach. It's your your social media, it's your blog, it's your uh, con appearances, it's your website. It's everything that everybody could have access to of you for free. And then you move them into the next level. And that's, they bought a book or they are on Patreon or whatever. And then the level below that is they're giving a lot of money on Patreon, right? So as you move into the layers, what I'm saying is you get more and more restricted access. Um, it's like a walled city. Maybe that's a better way to say it, right? You mm-hmm. want to move them through the gates of Minas Tirith so that they're in the most expensive area of Minas Tirith, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my fear, though, for Jake is four years from now, if he's not sharing some elements of Skyheart on Instagram and Twitter and social media that how is he enticing those people from the outer gates into the inner gates? So my point, counterpoint would be like, maybe every time he releases a a full chapter PDF uh, ebook uh, for Patreon, the first three pages go for free on Instagram or on Twitter so that people are like, Mm -hmm. wow, this is beautiful. What is this? I Mm -hmm. want to see more of this. You know, Mm -hmm. something something that he can entice... uh, or maybe it's only initial sketches go on social media and then the fun, the finished stuff goes on on Patreon. I, what I'm trying to think out, out loud as I talk is uh, I want some way for Jake to continue to entice new people because there's always going to be some attrition of people that move on or don't like it anymore or, or you know, it doesn't appeal to what they want to read right now. So you've got to have a replacement rate that also is, is a, a higher replacement rate than those leaving. And so that's my one concern. But so, remember, when when he's going to put those books out, and and I think I heard even the chapters out, after those go to his Patreon backers, he's also going to sell that stuff on his site. So he's right. going to be releasing that stuff as well. And the people that are going to come around to MrJakeParker.com and come for the inking tutorials and come for Inktober and come for all of his other things that he's going to be doing they're going to be exposed to that stuff as well. And, and so, and and I'm sure he's going to have it at a kind of a low uh, price point. So it's going to be very easy to jump in and see like a chapter of this. And I'm sure he'll have a, a a page or two uh, for free to entice people to in what they're buying. But uh, you know, that stuff is still going to be out there. You know, it's it's still going to be there. When the barrier to entry to see any of it is a $3 PDF or a $10 PDF, you're still limiting who could be enticed by it. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Mm-hmm. So that's my fear is that, and it's actually a fear for all of us, is that how do you show just enough, just enough of a teaser? And that's why I say like maybe just the first couple pages of the chapter. So people go, oh, wow, this really, this reads at a good clip. I enjoy this. Yeah. I want to see more of this. You know, that kind of thing. Something that gives it away for free. You want to give a little bit of the milk away so that they buy the cow. You know, it's a... Uh, um, that's what I'm getting at there. Boy, what yeah, a weird would, thing to roll in. <laughs> I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be against that, especially if those entry, if those first several pages gets you to the first strong storyline hook. In other words, I wouldn't just post a, a page, uh, the, the opening pages that are just, you know, pages with kind of confusing action that I don't have context for. But if those opening pages get me to a strong storyline hook, then yeah, and, and it, number one, you're well within your rights to post that at, for free. Number two, you're going to have very few Patreon backers that are going to get upset at you because again, what you're what you're offering them is you're going to get first shot at the stuff I'm doing tomorrow. You're going to get what's mm-hmm. next. 
Right. So if you put out that archive stuff a little bit, nine chances out of 10, your Patreon backers are going to understand that you're doing that to bring in new members. You right. know, uh, you, you can do that. So l- let's just walk, walk through an actual, like, let's say I'm working on a chapter and I do like a, a cover for the chapter, like a nice illustration for the chapter. Mm-hmm. So I've got my initial thumbnail sketches. I've got my sketch. I've got my line drawing, but then I've got my color for it. Um, I'm going to be sharing each one of those stages with the $5 level Patreon backers, right? Five right. and ten dollars, right? They're right. going to see that thing all the way through. And then they're going to finally see the reveal of the finished one. Social media, are they a month behind, and they get to see some initial sketches and then the final reveal? And does that tick off the Patreon uh, patrons? Nah. Um, because no, I don't think so. Okay, so what I could say is like, here's the cover for Chapter Six of Skyheart. Um, you know, and here's some of my process stuff. By the way, if you're uh, if you if you back the Patreon, you got to see this a month ago, um, and you know who knows what I'm working on now or something like that. Right, right, right. And also, you can pick and choose what you're sharing. In other words, if you're you don't have to on Insta on Instagram, you don't have to show them the whole cover illustration. Mm. You can sh- you can zoom in on a detail. You can zoom mm. in on a portion of that. And say, oh, and by the way, you know, this is this is the detail of the sketch I'm doing. Uh, my Patreon backers are seeing the whole sketch and how it's turning into the final illustration. Blah blah blah. You know, you you can you can choose that as well and get right. double uh, mileage out of that first opening sketch. And I think, yeah, I think uh, the phrase "exclusive early access" can be your friend for a lot of this um, yeah. in terms mm-hmm. of your your marketing. But I think also too is as time goes on, I'm kind of answering my earlier question of of what does uh, Jake do four years into this this process. What I think you do is then you accept that that first chapter or that first couple chapters are now a loss leader, and mm-hmm. now those are free to anybody. Uh, mm-hmm. with the thought that you'll give away a thousand and a hundred people of that might uh, end up signing up for Patreon to keep reading chapter four or five or six, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So yeah. as uh, what I'm getting at is as time goes on, the earliest stuff becomes the loss leader that gets people in the door and you're giving that away yeah. for free on social media. And so, and, and meanwhile, and meanwhile, uh, it, going on that four year plan, what have you been doing during that four years that's going to make those Patreon tiers more and more and more attractive is that uh, I would let that older Patreon exclusive content accumulate so that as mm. the years go by, you say, and, and I do this with my Patreon all the time, right? I say, at the moment you sign up, you get access to 700 uh, comics from this series. The moment you mm. sign up, you get, at, you know, I do a monthly reward thing. Well, that's up to two gigabytes of, uh, of material, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, letting your Patreon rewards accumulate now makes those rewards so much more powerful because now you've got both the stuff that you're doing new and a big reservoir of all the stuff that you've done so far. So if somebody's really a process junkie, they can go b- back and see a hundred pages that started from the sketch and they get to follow all the way throughout. Mm-hmm. And you should mm-hmm. probably be doing what you can now to help those groups stay in place so that I can go back. And if I'm a Patreon backer, I can see page 36 sketch, rough inks, color, 
finished. And then I can see page 72, same, uh, same deal, same progression, uh, because yeah. that's really what you're building there. Not only the stuff that you're doing tomorrow, but a whole archive of stuff that you've done up until now that you get easy access to. Uh, Brad, you raised something that I, I actually, it's a technical question for both of you that I've never thought of before. Is there a way on an ebook to have layers so that people could read, they'd obviously be flipping through the final book, but if you click through, you can go on page 72, you can, you're, you, you flip from 71 and you see a fully finished page, but then if you click in on the ebook, you'll see the sketch or the early sketch and then an earlier sketch than that. Is there a way to do that on an ebook? Do you, either of you know? I don't know. To the best of my knowledge, no, but you could you could have that same effect just with progressive pages. Page one is the sketch, page two is the rough. And as they're flipping through that on their iPad, it would have the same effect it as would, yeah, lifting yeah. trans like you're thinking about those old transparency overlays for anatomy books and stuff, and you'd lift the first transparency and you'd and the skin would come off, then you'd lift the next one of the organs. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I I tried to do something similar on an eBay uh, an ebook that I offered where it was basically a transparent um, uh, GIF, where mm -hmm. the map the map for Drive would slowly change, uh, and it turns out that uh, Adobe doesn't support that anymore. But um, I was you, I think Brad, you're right. The, so you'd offer two ebooks. One would be just a straight story, and then the next one would be for every page. There's one or two extra pages of earlier stuff. I think that would be kind of a cool right. offer, frankly. Now that we're saying that out loud. And of course, Jake, you're doing all this stuff for svslearn.com. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming that some of the some of the tutorials that you're working on is using Skyheart as the basis as you're working on that, or you're you're taking time lapse uh, a video of you working on that and stuff like that. Is that correct? Uh, I haven't actually used any Skyheart stuff for for SVS. Um, so a lot of a lot of that stuff is just content created specifically for that particular course. But you're set up that if you wanted to do a time lapse of Sky Heart pages, you could. Oh, yeah, easily. Definitely. Such yeah. an easy hit, especially if you're already set up to do it. Yeah. And th this actually leads me to a question. Is the people who care about process stuff, are these other creators or are these like... Are there actual like just fans who want to read the story that care about that stuff? Yeah. Uh, I th I'll go first. I think it's it's not as big a number as we think it is, but the people that do appreciate it are very passionate, and so there will be a good response from them. But it won't be as large a number of people in that in that fan population as we probably think it is. Brad, here's here's what I think. If I were to do that, there wouldn't be much of a heartbeat. I don't know that a whole lot of people are all wound up about how I create what I create. Jake, you've kind of made a position for yourself. You're Mr. Inktober. Mm -hmm. You're doing svslearn.com. You're doing this new book that's going to teach Dave how to ink with different crosshatch uh, <laughs> lines, right? You're, no, no, no. I'm, I'm being serious. No, you I know are, you're being serious. I was just laughing at me. Yes. You're, you're positioning yourself in such a way that when you offer a tutorial, it has value because you're Jake mm. Parker. So. Yeah. Uh, if you offered a time lapse of a Skyheart page as part of one of those upper level tiers, and even you, if you voiced over just a little bit of process notes, take an extra five minutes with you with it, and say, "Oh, take a look at what I'm going to do here. It's an interesting technique that you could do at home." Ba 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 ba. 
Uh, since you're Jake Parker, that has a certain cachet that a Brad Geiger video isn't going to have, and you should definitely be using that. I see. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so. Yeah. I think that's true. What Brad is in the polite way of Brad is saying is that no one cares about our art, but they care about your art. That's <laughs> and a little bit. Well, I mean, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Cause, cause he's in that position. I mean, there's going to no. be some people that are going to be curious about, you know, how, how you keep that duck's uh, beak at, at the certain angle and stuff like that. But for Jake, <laughs> it's a different, I'm being serious for Jake. It's a different thing. No, I know. And I, to echo your point, Brad, you are right that Jake has established himself as a, as a person who is a gateway to learning about the art of comics, right? You know, and so for that, yeah. uh, for all those reasons, there's a, lo- a lot of people that'd be like, well, how does Jake do it? And I think that's right. that's very true. I, I yeah. think that's very and true. And there's value there that you can be using for yourself and and using it to bolster those upper level sky heart tiers. And, and again, when you're talking about rating Peter to pay Paul, you don't have to do that at the expense of your SVS Learn tutorials. It's just taking advantage of the fact that you're already set up to do those kind of videos. So next time you're working on a Skyheart page, turn that camera on and use it. Yeah. I think my main, my main thing going into this is, you know, at the end of five years, I want to have five Skyheart books, priority one, like that's priority one, five Skyheart books at the end of five years. I don't want 50 videos of how I made Skyheart. You know, that's like lower on the the priority for me. I'd rather have a finished book than, you know, all this content of how I made the book. What makes you think it's a either or proposition? I I'm, I'm, I'm I may be under misunderstanding something, but what makes you think well, it's an either or? I mean, just at the end of the day, it's like I've got only so much creative juice in me to create and I don't want to spend some of that juice editing a video, oh, okay. you know, yep. doing that kind of stuff. Right? right. And maybe that's just me not wanting to be Bruce Wayne. Right. Mm-hmm. But, um, but uh, ultimately like I know myself and I know like what has kept me from finishing books in the past. And I just worry, like, I don't want to put too much emphasis on things other than the creation of the actual book. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Well, I think it, by contrast, it's worth contrasting how Brad and I do it because we actually do it somewhat differently. For Drive, which is like Skyheart, a long-form story, mm-hmm. which the big payoff will be the final finished book, like much like Skyheart. Um, what I do is uh, Patreon folks get uh, early access to the comics. So it's usually one to two weeks ahead of time before it goes up on the site where it can be read for free. You get it on Patreon. Um, the community is better. The conversation is better, right? So you already have that. Uh, then there's a bunch of exclusives and giveaways that are only on Patreon in terms of quick sketches or or um, illustrations that I've done while I was on a trip that I'm giving away to folks, all that sort of stuff. Uh, and that's about it. And that seems to work pretty well because I'm I really have this huge philosophy of not giving myself extra work that doesn't advance the story. Uh, and yeah. it actually I uh, I'm a tiny bit in contrast with Brad, who I think does a lot of exclusive stuff. Right, Brad? Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm really. <laughs> I'm really running that gamut. I'm always in awe slash a little bit worried for Brad because he's made uh, a kind of a policy of creating all these exclusives that I think I, I mean, he, God bless him. He manages to keep it up, but I don't know that I could do it. Uh, and mm. Brad, can you speak to that for a minute about the, how many exclusive you offer to your readers? Well, listen, what I do for, for better or for worse is uh, I, for the last three years, I, my goal has been to make 
30 exclusive posts a month. Uh, now, remember, <laughs> exclusive, uh, it, it can have a different, different meaning depending on what the thing is. For example, uh, I, I offer an exclusive first look at the Evil Inc. comic that's going to be public in another couple days. So the early access mm. is an exclusive because the only way you can mm. see the early access is exclusive. So when I say exclusive, it, it includes that as well as comics that you don't you don't get to see otherwise and a whole group of comics that you they're exclusive when they run. But like maybe six months later, I'll use them uh, sparingly here or there. So, uh, you know, that's, that's how I do the exclusive thing. And sometimes like this month when I, I went to Mexico this, uh, this early this month, we had a little family trip this past weekend. Uh, so I, I don't have as much time to do that. Always remember that. And I, and I want to really encourage this is that you can also do content exchanges with other people doing similar stuff on Patreon where you say, hey, I'll give you a sampler of my work to share with your backers on an exclusive basis. If you give me a sampler of your stuff and boom, now like this this past week, I had a 20-page e-comic that I uh, surprised my backers with. Well, that goes an awful long way for people who saw, well, maybe he just posted three times last week, but I also got a 20 page comic that I wasn't expecting. Right. 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 So, yeah. you know, there, there's, there's, there's lots of ways you can do it, but I, I'd be lying if I didn't say that it takes an awful lot of, uh, persistence to hit that mark every month. And it's part of the reason that I brought in a, an assistant on, uh, just this past month, and that is to take some of this stuff off my plate so I can get further ahead on that. But right. it's but it's yeah. not easy. I, I mean, I'm a big believer in exclusive content, but man, oh man, it is not easy. Well, if you want Brad Geiger money, you got to do Brad Geiger work. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Bruce Wayne, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh. <laughs> There's also fun stuff that you can do for Patreon that is not comics. For example, like with Drive, I'm remembering some exclusive that I've offered where mm -hmm. um, because I do uh, Drive and it's sci-fi, uh, I got invited one time to go tour uh, SpaceX, their, the factory in, in down in, um, not El Segundo, but it's in Los Angeles. And um, what I did as an exclusive uh, for Drive fans is I did a write-up and I did some photos uh, yeah. of what I was allowed to show. And that's a fun, easy exclusive. Like, it's fun to just write a couple paragraphs on what you just saw, which was amazing, and to do a couple photos mm. of rockets. I mean, how fun is that? Yeah. And so that's the kind of exclusive that I will do uh, occasionally because it's such low-hanging fruit, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it fits into the wheelhouse of what... So anytime, for example, Jake, you're now going to be uh, in Arizona... Any time that you're in a plateau that reminds you of a Skyheart uh, scene mm -hmm. or or Vantage, you'll just take a photo of it, share it, and be like, "Boy, I'm absolutely working this into Skyheart, everybody." You know, and that's kind yeah. of fun. Uh, yeah, you know that 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 kind of quick photo because it's also a process thing. Uh, but that uh, not everything has to be a beautifully rendered color exclusive. To Brad's earlier point, um, you can find low hanging uh, fruit. That's interesting. That's yeah. parallel. You know, I've got a standing element in my Patreon where I do an Ask Me Anything. Comment where I just every now and again I say oh by the way if you have any questions for ask me anything just send them in and I'll keep them uh, you know in, in a list and and every now and again I get some intriguing questions that I can write about for you know paragraph after paragraph some of the questions are really good and it's like oh yeah well, I could talk about that for a while 
And, you know, that stuff gets really great response from my backers, huh. you know, just a silly thing like ask me anything where they're like, you know, what was it like going full time and, and how much of a decision was it to leave the newspaper? Well, as you know, I can talk about that for a long time <laughs> and the decision <laughs> that it went into it and stuff like that. And, and then you, you sprinkle it with a few uh, archive uh, comics and stuff like that. You'll be surprised how positively your Patreon backers uh, respond to that. Because remember, Patreon is is a lot. The main thing about Patreon is what do I get for my money? You cannot lose sight of that. But there's also a really, really big personal connection aspect Mm -hmm. of Patreon Mm -hmm. where they're Mm -hmm. getting uh, the listen, Jake, the biggest exclusive is you. Oh, yeah, see what I'm doing right there. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, ser- yeah. I'm, I'm serious. They're, they're, they're getting access to you that nobody else has through that Patreon. And that's another exclusive that you can play up that is significant to your backers. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it's a really good point. Yeah, and there there is a percentage of people that uh, we can't because it's a little bit of imposter syndrome on our part. Like, well, no one will give me money just to give me money. There is a percentage of your readership that will just support and never check Patreon, right? And and they're mm-hmm. happy to do it. They're like, I don't care. It's the cup of, cost of a cup of coffee every month, and and it helps Jake make Skyheart. That's great. I'm happy to do it. Or mm-hmm. sometimes you get a, a percentage of people that are like, for the value that I've gotten from Brad in the past, I'm happy to keep supporting Brad for the future. You know, right. Uh, and so, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't count on that as a business strategy, but just know that there are dozens to a few hundred of your supporters that will never check Patreon and are happy to do so because they just want to support you. Yeah. And, and use that to your advantage. In other words, remember that you are, you are building a friendly connection there. So like, as you're moving forward, you're going to say, well, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that. Don't, don't second guess yourself too much. If you, if you post something and you get a pushback on your backers and they say, Hey, wait a minute. I thought that was an exclusive. Handle it exactly the way you think you should handle it. Say, Oh, you know what? I'm sorry about that. I was, I was thinking, uh, I would, I would share that, but I can see that this is a big thing. That's of importance. You apologize, you adjust and you move on. But I think so many times we cut ourselves off from experimenting with stuff because we're scared of what uh, mm-hmm. our backers are going to say when really the worst case scenario is you hit a foul note, your backers say, Oh, geez, you hit a foul note. And then you go, Oh, I'm sorry about that. I won't, I'll, I'm going to try and not do that again. And then you move on. That's your worst case scenario. You know, we, we build <laughs> it up in our minds while well, everybody's going to cancel their Patreon pledge today, tomorrow. I'm going to go from, you know, I'm going to go all the way down to zero. Well, you know, that, I don't know that that happens a whole lot. And most of the people that are there are, are going to listen when you say, oh, you know what? I made a kind of a dumb decision. I'm sure I'm not going to do that again. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. But I think in general, uh, Brad and I would both say that, that this, given the first part of our conversation and now on Patreon, I think this is a really wise move. Yeah. And frankly, I think it's one that I wish more, uh, because every once in a while you see these posts about cartoonists like, you know, I had this amazing deal and I I, I make $100 a month when it's all said and done. It's like, well, then maybe it's time to look at a new model. <laughs> yeah. And I think that, yeah. that Jake, you're, this model for you and for so many of us is the right way to go uh, because it lets our core readership support us directly and it gives us more control. And frankly, I think at the end of the day, you will find it gives you a better uh, paycheck to support your family. Um, and I think mm-hmm. that um, I, for one, am very happy you're doing it. Yeah, I agree. Cool. 
Well, with huge thank you, Brad and I will say uh, thank you, Jake, for coming by again. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Make sure you check out Jake at mrjakeparker.com. You can check out Art Drop Club. Uh, also, I think that's also at artdropclub.com. Is that right, Jake? Yep, that's right. Artdropclub.com. And then and then uh, SVS Learn, an amazing resource, svslearn.com. And uh, also, uh, if you're interested, keep an eye out for Jake's uh, relaunched uh, Patreon. You can just search for Jake Parker on Patreon. But Jake Parker, as always, thank you for coming on board, my friend. And we will talk to you again soon at NCS Fest, which is May 17th through 19th, Huntington Beach. Come see all three of us. And uh, in the meantime, we will see you all next week by saying, Bradley J., are you ready? I've got my paper right here. You've been oh, listening to... Oh, my goodness. Look at that right there. <laughs> You've been listening to Comic Lab, the show about making comics and making a living from comics. Your hosts have been the always delightful Brad Geiger, the editor of webcomics.com and the cartoonist of Evil Inc. at evil-comic.com. And the Little Spoon, Dave Kellett, co-director of Stripped and cartoonist of Sheldon at sheldoncomics.com and Drive at drivecomic.com. I just like to be held. The Comic Lab theme song is used with permission from Andy Creighton at theworldrecord.net. And this episode was edited by Matt Woodard of Woodsong Productions at www.woodsong.media. And with one more thank you to our special guest, Jake Parker, Comic Lab is made possible by your support at patreon.com slash comic lab. So we're going to go ahead and say that again. Patreon.com slash comic lab.